What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. In this episode, I'm here with my college football week six takeaways and reactions. Going to be giving you guys my thoughts on some of the things that happened this past weekend in college football. There were a lot of crazy things that took place. Texas A&M shocked the whole entire college football world when they pulled off the big upset against Alabama. You had Ole Miss defeating Arkansas in what definitely has to be a candidate for a game of the year. And for Oklahoma... They were able to pull off the dramatic comeback against Texas in the Red River Showdown, but it came down to a quarterback change when they end up benching Spencer Rattler for freshman quarterback Caleb Williams. He ended up bringing them all the way back to the victory. So who's going to start at quarterback this week for Oklahoma as they take on TCU? If this is your first time listening and tuning in to the JT Sports Podcast Welcome. Make sure that you guys go ahead and follow me on my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. And make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Texas A&M shocked me and the whole entire world when they defeated Alabama this past Saturday. 41 to 38 and man I was really surprised because the last time I watched Texas A&M play they were defeated by Arkansas and Arkansas pretty much had their way with Texas A&M and this Texas A&M team against Alabama this past Saturday was an entirely different team than what I saw when I last saw them play because the last time we watched Arkansas defeat Texas A&M. The offensive line play wasn't great. Zach Calzada wasn't great. Like, Texas A&M just wasn't that good. But then, they end up flipping the switch against Alabama. And Zach Calzada, man, like, for all of the scrutiny that he's received from Texas A&M fans on social media, he had a damn good performance. He was 21-31, 285 pass yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He had a big run late in the game, even though he had a banged-up knee. Initially, it felt like they were going to have to end up putting in their third-string quarterback who was pretty much a walk-on. And it it ended up Zach Cazada came back out of the tent. He was good, ready to go, came back in and put Texas A&M in a position to win the game. And you got to give a hats off to Jimbo Fisher because he is the first Nick Saban assistant to ever beat his former um, employer because Nick Saban's record against his former assistants is off the charts. So when you look at Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M had a incredible game plan. You got to look at the fact that they had a lot of young guys playing on the offensive side of the football, especially when it came to the offensive line. And for Texas A&M, they did this in a unconventional fashion because if you were to lay out the recipe for what Texas A&M had to do to beat Alabama, you definitely would have thought that they would have to have a big day on the ground, but they only had 94 rushing yards as a team. Alabama outrushed them for 153 rushing yards. Bryce Young had a pretty good performance, 28 of 48, 369 pass yards, three touchdowns, interception. Ryan Robinson ran for 147 
yards, averaging 6.1 per attempt. And when you look at Alabama in this game, this game probably should have been a little bit more in Texas A&M's favor. But since Alabama is so good of a team, they were able to close the gap. But the reason why Alabama lost this game is because, first of all, this isn't the normal Alabama team that we're accustomed to seeing. Normally, when you watch Alabama, they're really good up front in the trenches when it comes to their defensive line play, when it comes to their offensive line play. Well, in this game, they weren't really all that great in neither aspect. Their offensive line allowed four sacks. Their defensive line pretty much wasn't able to get consistent pressure on Zach Kazada. Zach Kazada didn't go down none. And on top of that Alabama just looked like they were the more undisciplined team compared to Texas A&M. They had more penalties than Texas A&M. They lost a turnover battle to Texas A&M. The wide receivers also had a lot of drops, man. Like the wide receivers were really putting the ball on the ground, man. Like after Monday's practice, them boys better make sure they're on that catching machine, man, getting their hands right because there were a lot of drop passes in that game. The play calling wasn't really the best from Bill O'Brien. And here's the thing. Everybody on social media was so quick to call out Bill O'Brien and his play calling. Bill O'Brien's play calling to me, and I've watched a lot of Alabama games this year, even the games they had against not-so-good opponents. I don't really feel like the play calling has been that bad from Bill O'Brien. I just felt like there were a couple of plays that if he had the opportunity to go and redo them, he probably would have called it differently. But at the same time, there were a lot of drops off the line, didn't really play well like I don't really think it's fair to just put all of the criticism on Bill O'Brien but you know since everybody already has a disdain for Bill O'Brien because of what happened during his time the Houston Texans people just have an unbiased will have a bias against them for why they just always want to call him out on social media but I really don't feel like Bill O'Brien has done that bad of a job calling plays for Alabama as a matter of fact I think he's done a pretty solid job now is he at a Steve Sarkeesian level no he He's not, but I really feel like Bill O'Brien hasn't really been that bad as a play caller. And I find it kind of weird how everybody just waits for him to have, you know, a lackluster play calling game to call him out on social media. I didn't really see nobody giving him praise when he was calling good games and whatnot. And at the same time, nobody even mentioned the fact that Alabama has so many drops off the line didn't play good. So I'm not really going to blame everything on Bill O'Brien, even though that seems to be the positive popular thing to do nowadays and on top of that you know Texas A&M had a really great game plan man and what Texas A&M did was they made the big plays in the big moments when you go against Alabama or Georgia you're going to have to have some things that go your way you're going to have to be able to win the turnover battle and you're also going to have to be able to step up and make big plays when the big moments show up and that's what Texas A&M did they made the big plays when it mattered the most and on top of that Jimbo Fisher had a field goal kick that was able to go out and get the job done you don't know how many times well I'm pretty sure you guys know how many times we've had field goal kickers not only in college football but in the NFL over the last couple of years being those big game-winning field goal scenarios and they come up short they either kick it wide right or it hits the crossbar and it does a doink like 
Got to give a hats off to Jimbo Fisher, man, because, I mean, he had the field goal kicking situation figured out. He had a young team on the field that had a really great performance against what a lot of people believe is going to be a team that's going to be in the college football playoffs. And even though Texas A&M's college football playoffs are pretty much all but over in a lot of people's eyes, I mean, you still have a lot of a lot of things to play for. But for Alabama, man, like, they got a lot of things that they have to clean up, man. Like, they're not really that dominant in the trenches that we're accustomed to seeing and on top of that I really feel like Nick Saban feels like this group still has a lot of work to do and he's been saying that pretty much for the whole entire season and I knew that there were going to be some games that Alabama was going to get tested we saw it earlier on in the season when they played against Florida and Florida almost came against the victory they got outplayed by Florida and they got out dominated by Florida but Florida wasn't able to make the big play down the stretch when it mattered the most Texas a was able to make those big plays so for Alabama man like they still aren't really all that good up front man like when it comes to the off the line there are a lot of things that they have to get cleaned up and like I told everybody Alabama wasn't just going to steamroll everybody on their schedule they were going to get tested now I didn't expect them to get tested against Alabama uh, against Texas A&M because of the current state of Texas A&M football right now when it comes to this season but this was a Alabama team man that uncharacteristically didn't look like the Alabama team that we are known from seeing out of Nick Saban that looked more disciplined and looked more prepared a lot of drops a lot of miscommunication there like this just wasn't really the poised Alabama team that we normally see out of Nick Saban and I really feel like that's why they lost this game was because Texas A&M didn't have a lot of mistakes Alabama had a lot of mental mistakes you get what I'm saying like Alabama we don't really say this a lot about them but they didn't really look prepared for this game and Texas A&M had a great game plan but the thing is Alabama was so talented of a team that they were still able to overcome the mistakes that they had but even then if you keep on, you know, messing up, eventually it's going to come back to haunt you. And that's what happened. In the end, Texas a came out the victory. So with Alabama, man, like they definitely have to get that offensive line cleaned up when it comes to pass protection. And they definitely have to make sure that these wide receivers are on the same page when it comes to taking care of the football and also securing the football. Because like my old high school coach used to say, it's no point of you playing wide receiver if you're not going to be able to hang on to the football. And you can blame the play call all you want to, but at the end of the day, players have to execute. That's what it comes down to. You can call the best plays in the world, put all of your best players in a great position to succeed, but that doesn't matter how good of a play caller you are if your players don't go on the field and they don't execute. So Alabama's next three games, they go on the road to take on Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs, who are having a pretty good season so far, 3-2. and two. Then they play Tennessee. They play LSU. And we look at the rest of the schedule, man. Like Alabama should pretty much be favored in every single game from this point forward. Even though I really do feel like that Tennessee game is going to be a little bit interesting because Tennessee right now is peaking at the right moment. Arkansas still don't want to write them out late in the season. That could be a really tough matchup. So I'm really intrigued in seeing how Alabama fares for the remainder of the season against a schedule that looks pretty favorable in their schedule. Because a lot of people say they're going to run the table, but at the same time, you know, everybody looked at this Texas A&M game as a game that Alabama was just going to come in and destroy, and that didn't really go down that way. 
Ole Miss defeated Arkansas 52 to 51 and what has to be the leading favorite for a game of the year. There were a lot of momentum swings. There were a lot of big runs. Arkansas went on a big run when it seemed like they were going to be unstoppable. Ole Miss went on a big run during this game. And for Arkansas, okay, KJ Jefferson balled out in this game. He had six total touchdowns, 350. Um, total rushing yards on the ground for Arkansas as a team. K.J. Jefferson accounted for 85 of those. He had three touchdowns on the ground, three passing touchdowns to one pick. Like, K.J. Jefferson was a man amongst boys, and I really feel like K.J. Jefferson does deserve to be in the Heisman discussion from how he's played so far this year. He's definitely been one of the three best quarterbacks in the SEC conference this season, in my opinion. But you look at what Ole Miss did off Defensively, and I was really impressed with how well Ole Miss played inside of you know their offense when it came to the off the line because their off the line was a big question mark that I had going into this game because I felt like Arkansas was the better team up front on both the offense side of the ball and the defense side of the football and Ole Miss dominated Arkansas for the most part in the trenches and they had 350 rushing yards Arkansas did but Ole Miss had 324 rushing yards as a team including what Matt Corral did on the ground he was really good 94 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns he also threw two touchdowns through the air and threw for 287 pass yards so Matt Corral had a phenomenal day but when you look at the boss score in this game you're probably going to say Arkansas should have won because they had more first downs than Ole Miss 39 first downs the 22 first downs they ran more plays than Ole Miss 93 to 70 and they held the ball longer than Ole Miss 35 minutes and 35 seconds to Ole Miss only having the ball for 24 minutes and um 25 seconds so really everybody's gonna you know judge this game based on you know Sam Pittman's decision to go for the win instead of playing for overtime listen I have no problem with him going forward in that situation to win the game, okay? And a lot of Arkansas fans didn't really seem that upset about his decision to go forward. The thing that a lot of Razorback fans were upset with was by their officer coordinator and Bryles deciding to go for the play call that he did. He did a roll, he did like a rollout play with KJ Jefferson. And there were some people who were going back and forth with me on Twitter about the play call saying, Saying that when you roll out at that side of the area, you know, it gives you a better chance to run or pass with your quarterback. And I definitely understand that. But when you're inside the red zone, especially when everything is condensed, I don't really think a roll a rollout play if your quarterback is the best situation. Because you got to remember when you're rolling now, you're basically cutting off the other half of the wide receivers who you have running on the opposite side. So basically, you only have about one or two wide receivers who you can throw the football to and maybe the running back and then the option for your quarterback to run so I don't really feel like a rollout play was the best scenario especially when you had so much success running the football against Ole Miss Arkansas was averaging over six yards per carry every time they ran the ball against that Ole Miss Rebels defense so it didn't really make a lot of sense to just abandon that you know it probably would have made more sense to run it with a quarterback power with KJ Jefferson maybe you run a quarterback draw through the middle or hell maybe you just decide to just try to throw the football with a different pass play other than that roll 
rollout play, but that rollout play wasn't really a great play call. But overall, you know, Arkansas's offensive coordinator has been pretty good so far this year, you know, but sometimes I feel like good offensive coordinators just try to overthink things in time and they just try to get too cute instead of just trying to punch it in and do what works. And we see that a lot of times in football. You have a guy who is a great play caller, but in some situations, you know, he'll try to overthink things and try to be the smartest guy in the room. And I kind of felt like that's what happened with Arkansas. And another thing is that Arkansas's defense, I feel, has definitely been exploited. And they run a 3-3-5 defense. And remind you, they have three down linemen and three linebackers. And I was telling Arkansas fans this, and a lot of Arkansas fans disagree with this. And I said, listen, what's hurting Arkansas is the fact that their linebackers are not fast enough to cover edge. If you're going to have three linebackers, they're going to have to be able to set the edge. And what we saw against Georgia last week, they failed to do that. And they also failed to do that this week. And it's not like Arkansas is getting gas running up the middle. They're getting gas running towards, you know, the sidelines or running outside zone plays and things like that. They're not getting crushed up the middle. A lot of the damage when it comes to run defense of Arkansas is being done outside of the tackles versus being in between the tackles. And that's a big reason when it comes to running that 3-3-5 defense because you got to have linebackers who have the speed to be able to get outside and cover that edge. And for Arkansas, I don't really think they have linebackers who are that fast enough or that athletic enough to be able to cover those edges that seems to be their problem so you're not going to change your scheme midway through the season or whatnot but I just feel like that's really interesting because I was telling people that's kind of what happens when you run a 3-3-5 defense the 3-3-5 defense is more geared towards stopping the pass and limiting big passing plays versus what it is when it comes to stopping the run because if you're going to have three down linemen and three linebackers you're going to have to make sure they're going to be able to get out and contain the edge and that's something that Arkansas has had a hard time doing this year is setting the edge and it's a big reason why they lost this game against Ole Miss and allowed over 300 rushing yards to Ole Miss it's another big reason why Georgia has so much success running the football against um this Arkansas defense because those linebackers aren't athletic enough and they're not quick enough to get out to the edge and stop these running backs and it's also asking a lot of your defensive ends to be able to try to set the edge as well so for Arkansas I definitely feel like their defense is starting to get figured out that Barry Odom defense and he's going to have to go out and try to make some changes and he's a really good defensive coordinator you know he's pretty well respected he has a pretty good track record but he's definitely gonna have to make some alterations right now because you're going against Auburn this coming weekend with Tank Bigsby and Bo Nick so if you continue to struggle setting the edge then Auburn is probably going to gas you as well in the run game and over the last couple of weeks for Arkansas it really hasn't been all that pretty and you got to ask yourself the question has luck run now for Arkansas I don't really think so. There were a lot of people saying Arkansas finally was what we what we knew they were. Like, no, they're not. Like, I think it's kind of stupid and idiotic to say that Arkansas was just lucky. Like, you don't beat two ranked teams inside the top 25. You got to remember, they beat Texas A&M. This is the same Texas A&M team that just defeated the best team, well, at the time, the number one team in college football in Alabama. This is the same team that beat Texas earlier on in the season 
a Texas team that is really good this year that's probably going to end up winning nine, maybe 10 games this year. So, I mean, like, I don't really think it's luck. I just think that Arkansas has reached a point in their schedule that is really tough. And everybody knew that Arkansas most likely wasn't going to go undefeated. This was a really tough schedule that Arkansas had, one of the toughest in all of college football, maybe the toughest in college football, especially when you look at their brutal stretch that they have right now in October. You already had to play Georgia. Then you have to play Ole Miss. Now you have to play Auburn. Like these are three of some of the best teams in all of college football that they had to play. So it's only a matter of time before they started having a couple of losses and a couple of games not go their way. But really, when I look at this Arkansas team, man, like this Arkansas team is competing. It's not like they're getting blown. Now, like I said, like I tell people, like Arkansas is a better team than what their record may indicate. And if the ball would have bounced in their direction, in their favor, they probably could have won this game against Ole Miss, but there were a lot of things that, you know, wasn't really going their way. They didn't really have a good time stopping the run. Their defense kind of hasn't really been there for them over the last couple of weeks, man, and I really think it's that, you know, the vulnerability of that 3-3-5 defense, so they're going to have to make sure that they're going to find a better way to stop the run, make sure that they can find a better way to set the edge. Maybe you have to put a safety closer to the line of scrimmage to help out with that I don't really know but for Arkansas man like I don't really feel like luck has run out for Arkansas I just really feel like Arkansas is now starting to get caught up now with how tough their schedule is like they have a gruesome schedule so I was expecting this to happen you know I still thought that they would have been able to get the win over Ole Miss because I felt like there was a favorable matchup up front I didn't think that Ole Miss would have ended up playing well as what they did in the trenches but Ole Miss played a really good ball game man you got to give them a lot of kudos for that. But for Arkansas, I don't really think luck is running out. I just feel like, you know, their difficulty of schedule is now finally catching up to them. This is still a team that's more than capable of being able to win eight, maybe nine games this year. But this is still it's a really tough schedule, okay? And you still got to play Alabama this year. So things are only going to get a lot tougher here. But I really feel like Arkansas is still going to end up having a pretty good season. I'm still pretty high on this Arkansas football team. The last thing we have to talk about. So, Oklahoma defeated Texas in the Red River Showdown or Showdown. And you got to remember, there was a point when Texas was up like several possessions to start a game. Like, this game looked like it was going to end up being a one-sided affair. And then, all of a sudden... Oklahoma pulls the plug on Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler was 9-16, 112 pass yards, one interception, and he had a touchdown on the ground. He didn't really play well. So they insert freshman quarterback Caleb Williams, 211 passing yards, two touchdowns. He had a big run, which put Oklahoma on the board, 8-8 rushing yards. And he brought Oklahoma all the way back to capture the big golden hat in this Red River showdown. And now the big question is, who's going to start this week for Oklahoma at quarterback against TCU? And I've been telling people before the season that Spencer Rattler was not as great as what a lot of people trying to make him out to be. And even during the season, man, like everybody tried to make all these excuses talking about the wide receivers aren't playing good. You know, the play calling is failing him. The offensive line isn't playing good. Well, you know, I tried to tell people like I just felt and I, I think I said this last week. It was only a matter of time before Spencer Rattler ends up getting benched and it was going to happen. And then Caleb Williams comes in and he has a phenomenal game. 
So when you look at Spencer Rattler, like I told everybody, like he's not as good as what a lot of people think that he is, you know, but when it comes to the mock community or the NFL draft community, everybody thinks they know more than you. You get what I'm saying? Like you try to criticize somebody who has a high um, first round projection and a lot of people keep saying, oh, you don't know what you talk about, man. Like I've been doing this for such and such years. Like people have to stop looking at preseason projections and look at what's going on during the you know the product during the season you get what I'm saying like everybody was so fascinated with how good Spencer Rattler could be and that's the problem man a lot of people keep saying that Spencer Rattler is failing to live up to expectations you want to know why people in life fail to live up to expectations because we're too busy trying to see how good somebody could be instead of taking them for what they are we just look at potential we don't look at what somebody is right now as a person and that's what a lot of people were doing when it came to Spencer Rattler like that's all I heard about the potential that Spencer Rattler has you know the arm strength you know the mobility and things like that the Patrick Mahomes s qualities but a lot of people kept overlooking a lot of things that he did wrong and what caused him to get benched is simply for the fact that he was playing too much backyard football he wouldn't stand in the pocket he wasn't allowed he wasn't giving himself time to a lot of wide receivers to get open he was missing wide open wide receivers he was trying to be super man he was trying to do too much and you know like Caleb Williams came in and he ran the offense the way it should have been ran he stayed in the pocket even when the pocket was collapsing yeah he would roll out a couple of times to extend plays but only when he had to Spencer Rattler on the other hand he just rolls out every single play like I really haven't really seen a drive when Spencer Rattler just completely stood in the pocket even when things were collapsing and delivered a nice dime like he just tries to do too much outside of pocket he plays too much backyard football and that's the downside of having Patrick Mahomes in the NFL you know I got a video coming out in the next couple of weeks about how Patrick Mahomes is hurting football because Patrick Mahomes is hurting football because now quarterbacks don't focus on the technique anymore I remember a couple of weeks ago I went to a middle school football game and there was a quarterback who tried to do a no look pass and he got picked off for a pick six and his coach cussed him out because a lot of people aren't trying to stick to their fundamentals everybody's trying to be Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes is you know one of the greatest quarterbacks that we have in the game right now but there are even some things that he does and ends up costing Kansas City a good amount of time so when you're going to have this backyard style football you have to understand when when it's okay to do that, when it's okay to try to make something happen, you also got to know when it's okay to take when the defense gives you. And for Spencer Rattler, I don't really think he knows that. So when you look at Caleb Williams, you know, he's coming in, he's running this offense the way that should be, but I still don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. Like, I still feel like it's going to be Spencer Rattler. I still feel like Lincoln Riley is going to give Spencer Rattler one more shot to get things back in the right direction because you got to understand something. Texas was kind of caught off guard with the quarterback change. So they weren't really prepared for it. They didn't really know what to expect. So they maybe had to alterate their game plan for TCU, especially when you look at a team like TCU that has a lot of athletes on the defense side of the football. I feel like TCU is going to be better prepared to handle Caleb Williams. So you got to understand, this is a guy who is a freshman who doesn't really have a lot of in-game action. So the experience factor is there. So if you look at Caleb Williams, he could be great – 
against Texas and struggle against TCU next week. So I still feel like Lincoln Riley most likely will go with Spencer Rattler if I had the pick, because I still feel like Spencer Rattler just would be a little bit more experienced in a certain situation. And Lincoln Riley knows that sometimes you can't get caught in the heat in the moment because a lot of things can change. And we've seen this so many times when a backup quarterback plays well, they end up getting a starting job. You know, the former starter transfers out. The former transfer ends up doing really good for another team. And, you know, the other guy who ended up dethroning him ends up not being all so great, i.e. Wisconsin with Graham Mertz when they pushed out Jack Cohen. So if you're Lincoln Riley, you don't really want to rush this decision. You know, you kind of want to get this you kind of want to figure out who's your starting quarterback at some point during this week, probably around Wednesday, so you can still get the guy who's going to be starting a good amount of first-team reps, because I really feel like if you're going to start Caleb Williams, I really feel like you don't want to split any reps if he's going to end up being your guy because of the inexperience factor there, so you want to make sure that he's as comfortable as possible, especially going against TCU, which is definitely a team that can be able to pull off the upset, and that's another thing about Oklahoma, man, like, they still don't really have identity, and I've been saying that all all year like Oklahoma doesn't really know who they are as a football team and with the quarterback change that's even more apparent but I definitely feel like there's some character concerns with Spencer Rattler that's kind of holding him back because when Spencer Rattler scored that touchdown I didn't really see the sideline getting hyped when Spencer when Spencer when Spencer Rattler scored that touchdown you know he he dapped a couple of people up and things like that but when Kayla Williams had that big rushing touchdown you saw the whole sideline was dapping him up the whole sideline pretty much came all the way from the other side to dap him up and cheer him on and things like that it seems like he kind of had the team on his back the team was getting behind and the team was embracing him you get what I'm saying and I remember watching QB Wumber yonder the lights and a lot of people were criticizing you know how they tried to depict Spencer Rattler they depicted Spencer Rattler as being this awful person and I don't really feel like these documentaries try to depict anybody in a certain kind of way like you are who you are you get what I'm saying like either that guy or you're not that guy and for Spencer Rattler like you know a lot of people have been heavily critical of him as a person I'm not somebody who likes to come out here and criticize somebody I don't know Spencer Rattler personally a lot of us don't know Spencer Rattler personally so I'm not going to criticize him about that but I'm just saying like I really felt like the team responded more and was more receptive to Kayla Williams when he was in that quarterback versus Spencer Rattler and how the team views you actually matters a lot because if the team likes you, they're going to run through a brick wall for you. You get what I'm saying? Like, even if you are a starting quarterback, like, yeah, people are going to go out of limb. But when people really like you, they're willing to do a little bit more for you when it comes to football. And me being a wide receiver, I remember there was a quarterback that I really liked a lot that I was willing to run for a wall through this guy. I remember I played through a concussion uh, because I really liked this quarterback that we had. So it really matters how good of a leader you are. Like, these things actually matter. For Caleb Williams, he looked more poised. He looked more suited for the moment. And I really feel like Oklahoma probably knew that this was going to happen eventually. So maybe Spencer Riley will end up bouncing back because I believe Lincoln Riley said that um, during his presser that he didn't think that Spencer Rattler was going to be out the game that long because you got to remember. 
Spencer Rattler in the same game in the Red River showdown of what 2020 last year he got bits in the second quarter they weren't really able to get nothing going so he came back in and they won the game but this year Kayla Williams really galvanized the whole entire team and there really was no reason to pull out Kayla Williams because he was playing so good he had his team in a good position to win the game he ended up getting the job done although we did see Spencer Rattler come in for a two-point conversion which is really pivotal but outside of that man like I really feel like Spencer Rattler is most likely going to be the guy who Lincoln Riley rolls with this Saturday against TCU. But if I had to pick personally, I probably would go with Caleb Williams simply for the fact that I like how he runs the offense. He doesn't try to play hero ball. He runs the offense and does what needed to be done. He reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott and kind of how he looks, kind of how his body is built and his mannerism. So... I'm really intrigued, man. This college football season has been crazy. Like, we've had so many crazy scenarios like this. Remember, we had the Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones tobacco earlier on this season. Then AR-15 got hurt and Emory Jones started to play better and whatnot. Like, I really feel like Caleb Williams is just too good of a player not to have on the field. Even if Spencer Riley gets to start and even if Spencer Riley ends up bouncing back, I still feel like Lincoln Riley is going to make sure that Caleb Williams is involved in this offense some way, somehow. But you guys let me know who you guys think is going to end up being the starting quarterback for Oklahoma this Saturday against TCU down in the comment section down below. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I will be with you guys shortly again with another episode. Give you guys my college football week seven preview and predictions. Make sure that if you enjoyed this episode that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Make sure that you share this podcast on your social media platforms with your friends family and acquaintances and i will see you guys later with another episode of the jt sports podcast